I'll be reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 32 through 40, which starts on page 56. Or 57. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may, be, may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves." But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of our Lord. Well, have you been watching the uh, Olympics this weekend? Anybody watching? Uh, I watched a few of the water events, mainly to see if it was really true that the garbage and carnage floating out in the water was actually real. If the swimmers were going to have to uh, maneuver around all that stuff, I didn't see that. But that's what the news has been reporting in days before the Olympics. Now, what I'm really wanting to see is the end result of what these athletes work for day after day in their training. And that's gold medals, right? What I like even more than seeing them receive the medals is to see the person giving them out. Have you ever paid attention to that part, the person who is putting the medal on the person? I mean, what a great job to have. You'll never see these givers frowning or hating their job, right? The smiles on their faces and the joy in their gestures can't hide that it is their good pleasure to give out these medals. In our text for this morning, Jesus described how God takes pleasure in giving. The giving He referred to is of the kingdom of God. He told the disciples that it was God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This was good news for a people who were accustomed to having things taken from them robbed by the Roman government of their income, of property, of freedom, and of a future. Many of them were no doubt feeling this way about God, that God took pleasure in taking things from them. Have you ever felt that way? If this were not so, they must have reasoned. Surely God would have answered their prayers and given them what they wanted. So God was against them, and God must enjoy doing these kinds of things to them. Like most of what Jesus said, this description of God, it wasn't only good news to their ears, it was subversive. It was revolutionary in every way. Jesus was describing God in a personal way as one who was not only in tune 
with mere mortals, but who was interested in making sure that they would experience the fullness of life as God had always intended. The kingdom of God on earth. I'm not sure if what Jesus said about a new kingdom scared them or if they were afraid of what it would cost them to help bring this kingdom about. Jesus was extremely popular and they would listen and take part in what He was saying, but when it came time to serve, maybe it was a little different. Whatever the reason, Jesus addressed it, their fear, with the words, Do not be afraid, little flock. They must have not only felt little in number, but they probably felt little in significance. They were, after all, powerless. They were poor. They were uneducated. And they were defenseless. And so Jesus obviously didn't look at them in that way at all. He saw that they were just who God could use to build and to lead His kingdom. And this might be a good place to remember what Jesus meant by kingdom. I mean, we really don't know much about them, do we? They were familiar with kingdoms, for they had seen many come and go. And what they would have understood Jesus describing was the kind of kingdom that they were dreaming would one day uh, come into being. One where the Roman government was overthrown, where their land would be given back, where justice would finally prevail, where debts would be forgiven, where enemies would be defeated, and one where God, not Caesar, would be in charge. We are to hear in these words today how it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, those of us who are here today. Much has changed in the world since Jesus spoke to the disciples, yet much is still the same. We still feel little in our world. Even as the world has gotten smaller and flatter at the same time, it still feels enormous, doesn't it? Terrorism breaking out all over the globe, storms and disasters wreaking havoc, global warming poisoning Earth's precious resources, even causing terrible health issues for Olympians this summer in Rio. Sharknadoes. Just wanted to see if you were with me. They are real, Randy. Zika spreading around the world and just this week showing up in Miami and causing travel bans for pregnant women who were entering the city. I mean, that's pretty serious. For these things and more, we feel little. We feel powerless, vulnerable, afraid. And nothing has really changed since Jesus talked to His disciples. Nothing has changed about what He had to say. Uh, You know, whenever you um, get a new app on your your, uh, iPad and you try to use it to preach your sermon, it is inevitable that somebody will text you or call and make it stop. So uh, I am now uh, starting it back. Just, just so you'll know what's going on back here. <laughs> Whoever that was. 
But nothing has changed about what God had to say about God, right? It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, Jesus says. And maybe what we are to do here today in the now of our fears and littleness is to think about what God's kingdom looks or can look like today. And think about how this happens. I mean, how is it that we ever see the kingdom of God? Well, it happens when we do what we heard about in last Sunday's challenge from Paul. To set our minds and our hearts on things above, not on things below. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And as Paul said these words to the church at Colossae, he was trying to lift their eyes to a better place. To get them to quit looking at the worries and the problems and the the sins and the challenges of this life. But to set their minds on things above. As we who are a little flock look up, what is it that we see? And we do feel little at times, don't we? I mean, we are a little flock. But what do we see? Well, we see that the new and in-breaking kingdom of God is not one directed or shaped by fear. Those who live and work in this kingdom have absolutely no reason to fear. But they see that God is still God and that what God does is greater than all of the sources of fear in our world. And I mentioned several things that create fear and anxiety within us. And they don't have to be big things. They could be small things. And still, we can worry and worry about them. Earlier in this chapter, in Luke, Jesus addresses those things as, he, uh, as Matthew describes for us in his gospel that is there in the Sermon on the Mount. Luke's is very similar because the worries that we all have are so similar. But we can also see that our role in the kingdom of God has been given to us to make intersections of heaven and earth in the world. Think about that. The fact that we can make intersections of heaven and earth right here. I mean, isn't that a great job? Isn't that one that is not restricted to vocational ministry in a church? And I have served in churches where uh, really no one does much of anything at all except sit on committees and uh, expect the staff to do everything. (laughs) I'm not sure about that. But it doesn't work that way. God has called us to all be involved in ministry and that pastors are to equip the people of God to serve in the mission of God in the world. And I don't have that problem here at all because you go out and do all kinds of things to make those intersections in our world. But those intersections are actually uh, done best outside of the walls of the church. Intersections of heaven and earth are waiting to be formed at your place of work, in your business, at your school, with your students, in places where you see hate, in your neighborhood, with your family, in your state, 
like our group who spent the weekend in Lake Providence, passing out book bags and school supplies to kids, and they make up, uh, these kids would be the majority of the kids in Lake Providence who cannot afford school supplies on their own. It is these places where the kingdom of God is to intersect with the kingdoms of this world. What we can know, but not always get to see, is that the kingdom of God is where love wins over hate. Where things aren't always tidy, but they are holy. Where justice is given to the oppressed, where the proud tumble and the humble rise. Yes, the kingdom is where debts and sins are forgiven, where wrong is made right, and where the dead are raised to life. These are just a few of the things that Jesus mentions about the kingdom of God. But can a world like this really exist? Will God's kingdom really arrive? Jesus tells that story about the workers who are awaiting the boss to show up. And they're waiting and they're waiting and The whole idea is to be alert in their waiting. They're not passively waiting. They're actively waiting for Him to come. And that's how we're to live our lives. Actively waiting for the the kingdom of God to arrive. And that means we help bring it into being. According to Jesus, it is God's good pleasure to give the kingdom to us. And so where will God arrive this, this week? with the gift of the kingdom. And will you and I be ready to receive it? Frederick Beekner, who is my favorite writer of all, describes kingdom of God in a very beautiful way. He writes, If we only had eyes to see and ears to hear and wits to understand, we would know that the kingdom of God in the sense of holiness Goodness, beauty, is as close as breathing and is crying out to be born within ourselves and within the world. We would know that the kingdom of God is what we, all of us, hunger for above all other things, even when we don't know its name or realize that it's what we're starving to death for. The kingdom of God is where our best dreams come come from and our truest prayers. We glimpse at it in those moments when we find ourselves being better than we are and wiser than we know. We catch sight of it when at some moment of crisis, a strength seems to come to us that is greater than our own strength. The kingdom of God is where we belong. It is home, and whether we realize it or not, I think we are all of us homesick for it. So I ask you this morning, are you homesick for the kingdom of God? God's good pleasure is to give it to us. Let's pray.